Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. So welcome everybody to this very first Tuesday lunchtime talk for 2021. Let us first acknowledge the Ghana people, the traditional custodians of this land, the beautiful Adelaide Plains. My name is Rosemary Collins, I'm a gallery guide, and today I want to focus on the work of John Russell, who's variously described as the lost impressionist or Australia's French impressionist. And as you see, he hangs here in very good company with uh, Camille Pissarro and his son, Lucien. So the work with we actually will focus on is this one at the top. It's um, Fishing Boats at Gold Far, painted in 1900. And it's on loan from the Brown family of Melbourne. But to understand how Russell came to produce this vibrant work, we need to know something of his background and his struggle to achieve personal satisfaction as an artist. The work of the Impressionists and Neo-Impressionists, such as Camille Pissarro, particularly, and Lucien, were a major influence on Russell's development. Russell was born in Sydney in 1858, and he died in Sydney in 1930. But it's the 38 years that he spent out of Australia mostly in France, that define him as an artist. So, as, as I've mentioned, he is variously described as our lost impressionist or our fresh French impressionist. Now, we had a taste of that wonderful world of impressionism two years ago with colours of impressionism in this gallery. But Russell lived in that world. He was acquaintance and friend of the foremost groundbreaking artists of the late 19th century. Toulouse-Lautrec, Edward Monet, Vincent van Gogh, the Pissarros, as we see, Auguste Rodin, whose work is shown right through this gallery, and Henri Matisse. Now, what a roll call, and that's only part of it. But back to the beginning, Russell was born to a very successful engineering family in Sydney. And he was firmly encouraged to follow engineering as a profession rather than his own desire to become an artist. And he dutifully began studies in England in 1876. But three years later, his father died quite suddenly and left a fortune that allowed the young John to pursue his heart's desire, which was to become an artist. In 1879 and 1882-83, he made some return visits to Australia, to Sydney. During his travels, he made many watercolours. He was an, an excellent watercolourist. And of course, that was the time when photography was in its infancy, and so many young men and women painted scenes of their travels in watercolour. During the time he spent in Sydney, he was very much involved in the art world. He exhibited, he was writing letters to the Sydney Morning Herald, complaining about the teaching of art in the schools, altogether thoroughly engaged. In 1882, he was back in London. He had enrolled in the Slade School 
studying under the French Alphonse Le Gros, where he learned the skills of life drawing and composition, which he valued throughout his career and which were further developed when he moved to Paris. But he frequently left the school to go on painting trips in the country. Also in London with that time, but at the Royal Academy with Tom Roberts and Charles Douglas Richardson, Bertram McKennell, all who will be familiar to you, and in fact their works are generally hanging. Roberts, of course, is constantly on the walls. And he became a firm friend of Russell. They corresponded for many years. 1884 was a key year. Russell was in Paris, studying at the Académie Julian, and then at the Atelier Corman. These were exciting times when artists were responding to the social change and scientific developments in the making of colour and the understanding of optical effects of colour. Those who rebelled against the academic approach were breaking new ground, painting everyday life, ordinary people, and the countryside as it was seen, not imagined. They were painting outdoors intent on capturing light and mood and movement. So the last Impressionist exhibitions were held in 1882 and 1886, and many of those artists were already forging new means of expression. Colour was Russell's fascination. In a letter to Roberts in 1887, he said, but when we get to colour, the gauze and heather, yellow and purple, orange boat sails, blue sea, red rocks, green, green sea. All a matter of feeling, he said. Tis in the man with the brush and the paint pot, or it is not. He was aware of the theories of colour, but didn't hurry to read the work of the chemist Michel Chevreul, whose writings so informed the divisionists like Signac and Surat, and later Lucien Pissarro. Russell's approach was intuitive. He was using the primary colours, red, blue, yellow, and their complementary colours, green and violet. The third complementary, which he used so effectively, orange, was the only mixed colour that he generally used. And he was seeking purity of colour, maintaining each colour side by side so that they, they were mixed by the eye itself. He was critical of some of the Impressionists, saying that they'd forgotten about colour until it, it came to Manet. Later, he criticised the Divisionists, darned fools, he called them, spotting canvas with small colours of pure colour. His brushstrokes were broad, highly visible. Russell took a studio in Montmartre in 1884, and he maintained that throughout his life. It's thought that that's the year that he met Anna Maria Matiocco, known as Mariana, who became his partner the following year and his wife in 1888, when he built the house on Ben-Il and moved there permanently. She played such a significant role in the 25 years together. She organised the family life, hosted visiting artists, travelled with him, maintained harmony, because he was known to be an irascible character. But so importantly throughout those years, she was a model for his paintings and drawings. She was considered classically beautiful, 
She and her brothers had come from Italy to Paris to work as street musicians, and all three became artist models. She sat for Rodin a number of times. The first was probably when Russell commissioned a head cast in silver. Just see the Rodin plaster head and the silver version that Russell kept in his home for the whole of their married life. So Rodin became a very close friend of the family and maintained correspondence with Russell, who always addressed him as master. Now, this is second work I'd like to show you too. This is from 1876, when he was still in Paris. It's interesting work. It's a portrait of Vincent van Gogh, who became a very good friend. They corresponded until van Gogh's early death. But it's interesting because you can still see him painting in the academic style, but there are elements, particularly look at the hands, where he's moving toward Impressionism. So it's one of his early transitional works. By the end of 1887, Russell was again writing to Robert, saying, well, my dear TR, I'm finished with studios, and I'll jump out of Paris as soon as possible. He went on to say that he would like to return to Australia, but he felt he didn't have sufficient reputation. So instead, he decided to build a house in France. And it was a time when the artists were leaving the studios. They were leaving Paris. Uh, Van Gogh was in Arles. Gauguin and others in Brittany. Monet at Giverny. And Pissarro at his beloved Erigny. They were all seeking inspiration, chasing light and color, painting the country in all seasons and the people. It was an era when there was a great respect for the toil of peasants. Their perceived spiritual honesty developed through contact with the land. Russell had a close connection with the um, villages and fishing community on Belle-Ile and frequently painted men and women going about their chores. Belle-Ile, where he chose to live, is a small rugged island off the coast of Brittany. In fact, it's in the Bay of Biscay. His own restless spirit was attracted to the dramatic coastline and the challenges of capturing the ever-changing form and colours of the wild Atlantic. The house became known as Le Chateau de l'Anglais. Australia seemed to be unknown to the French. Monet was never sure whether Russell was l'Anglais or mon-American. Russell first met Monet when the latter was painting on the island before Russell's had set up house there. He was in awe of Monet, referring to him as the prince of painters. Nonetheless, in a letter to Van Gogh, written two years later, he's somewhat critical, saying Monet's paintings of the Antibes, very fine in colour and light, and certain richness of development. But like nearly all so-called Prussianist work, the form is not enough studied. But he went on to say, he's undoubtedly a remarkable colorist. And color was Russell's obsession. Like his friend Van Gogh, his use of color was emotional, passionate. Now this is a scene that Russell knew well. 
he would have walked that path from his house probably every day of the 20 years he lived on Belle Ile. It was painted in 1900 after years of thought and struggle and many destroyed canvases. You see how high key his palette is. The blues and greens, the subtle yellow and violet, and that blazing orange. The first time I saw this from I was walking through the door back there and it was a bright morning and a line from a poem of Gerard Manley Hopkins sprang to mind. You may know the poem, The Grandeur of God. But the second line, it will flame out like shining from shook foil. To me, that just summarizes this work. Now, Russell was not a romantic, and I'm not aware that he was religious, but the line so aptly describes the luminosity of the canvas, the sails in particular. See the little herring boats dancing on an uneasy sea the reflection of the sails, fractured and rippling, and forming an abstract shape. The high horizon focuses our eyes on the boats themselves and emphasizes the height of those cliffs. We see landslides indicating the instability of the coast and the power of the Atlantic Ocean. The little blue of the sky that is visible is enhanced by the whiteness of the clouds. And off to the right, the very top right-hand corner, is a grey-blue form, which is most likely a distant landform and just conveying to us um, the extent of that coastline. And I do urge you to come closer shortly and have a look at the brush strokes. You will see very strong vertical and diagonal brush strokes forming the cliffs and the inlet. In the water, the colours are laid and woven, horizontal blue strokes crossed by wavy orange. Colours reacting, shimmering, in the manner of Van Gogh and Monet and Camille Pissarro. In this work, painted in 1886, Pissarro was central to the Impressionist movement, but he was by this time moving toward neo-impressionism. So we see beside the short brush strokes and warm pinks and greens and mauves, there are bright greens and soft blues that he's laid in the manner of the divisionists, points of pure contrasting colour side by side, combining optically when we view them from a distance. So this luminous, beautiful view of Pissarro's beloved village is such an important transitional work in our collection. The major work of Russell that's held by the gallery is a clearing in the forest. We haven't seen it for a, a time. It very often does hang in the elder wing. You may remember it. So here we have a work painted in the Antibes where the sunlight and colour of the Mediterranean appealed very much to Russell. He sent a preparatory sketch to Roberts and he wrote of French Impressionism as understood here, it consists not of hasty sketches but in pushed work in which the purity of colour and intent is kept. By pushed, I think he means kept and reworked, not just hasty strokes that are, are then left. 
So the yellows, blue greys of the shadows, the browns and greens of the trees blend harmoniously with the very unusual chrome green of the sky. It's a bold and clever use of colour. But it was too bold for Australia in the 1920s and his handling of the brush was far too free. Other works in our collection are a charcoal drawing of a woman, um, probably Mariana's mother. The two drawings there, the charcoal one is in our collection. Uh, and there's a portrait on the right-hand side, also of a family member. Um, and you can see how he's moved in his portrait painting, just if a quick look at that work as well. So the other work that we hold is a, a small watercolour painted in Brigham's Creek, in the North Island of New Zealand, where his younger son settled in the 1920s. Now, tragically, his beloved Mariana died in 1908. Russell left Belle Ile, sent his five sons to boarding school in England, and then spent time with his one surviving daughter, Jean, who was commencing a career as an opera singer. From then, he led a peripatetic lifestyle, painting watercolour and almost abandoning oils. Several years later, he married um, his daughter's singing teacher, an American singer herself. In 1921, the new family returned to Sydney and settled it at Watson's Bay. It was his first visit in 38 years, and in the last nine years of his life, he resisted all attempts by everyone to involve him in the art world there. His cousin was Thea Proctor, and she was trying to get him to exhibit and, um, and to show his work, perhaps, if not a major exhibition, but he wasn't interested. So after the youthful years in Sydney, he had rarely exhibited, just occasionally in Paris and London. There are a number of um, suggested reasons as to why he didn't. One is that he perhaps was not um, satisfied with his work. He felt that the criticism perhaps would be warranted and he didn't want to hear that. Also, he didn't have to sell his work. He was in the enviable position of being financially well off. So it wasn't necessary for him to advertise himself. So much of the work he didn't destroy was stored in an apartment in Paris along with works of other artists, including Van Gogh and Radan, that he had gathered initially with the idea of establishing an Impressionist collection for Australia. That was an idea rejected by the Australian art world. He then intended the collection to be dispersed among the family, but his daughter offered it to the Louvre on condition that it be displayed permanently in one room. Now, that was unacceptable to the Louvre. So she offered it to Sydney, but again, it was rejected. And later, the Louvre did accept the collection, but they dispersed it uh, among the Musée Rodin and uh, Musée de Morlaix in Brittany. And there are some works in the Musée d'Orsay. Other galleries in Australia and around the world do hold his work, as do private collectors we can see here. Fortunately, two 21st century exhibitions have brought Russell to our attention, both in Sydney, one 
person who did promote Russell's work was the late Dr. Joseph Brown, who was a gallery owner and major benefactor to the um, National Gallery of Victoria. And it's from his family's collection that this work has been loaned uh, for our enjoyment. The art critic John MacDonald describes Russell as a bridge between the French Impressionism and the more conservative Heidelberg School. He had perhaps a small part in Tom Roberts' development, but influence on Australian Impressionism was minimal. He is, however, credited with setting perhaps the greatest colourists, Henri Matisse, on his journey. Matisse biographer Hilary Sperling describes Russell as a forerunner and facilitator, if not an innovator himself. And I've just noticed that in Gallery 3B, there is another work of Russell. And I do urge you to go down and have a look. It's uh, Sunset. It's 1904. So there are these vast gestural brushstrokes, incredible colour. It's just an amazing work. And if you look at the bottom, you will see there's a gap between the, the frame and the actual painting where we see the canvas absolutely the, the basic canvas, and that just shows us the, the depth of the paint. The impasto work is just amazing. So I urge you, come and have a look at this one, appreciate the brush strokes and the colour in this, and then go down to 3B and have a look at the work there. So I do hope we are all becoming much more familiar with the work of um, John Russell. Thank you.